You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. I am John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. And coming up, uh, we've got a big show once again. We're going to talk some Nick Foles free agency, the latest uh, rumors and rumblings, and uh, what the Eagles might do with him, franchise or not franchise. Uh, Carson Wentz responded earlier in the week to that Philly voice piece, and he was on the radio a couple times this week, too. So we'll get into some of the stuff that he said, and uh, we'll get uh, some takes on different coaching moves that the Eagles have done this week and uh, go over the uh, Super Bowl 53 and uh, the Super Bowl odds for next year. We haven't had a chance to give you our thoughts on Super Bowl 53, but joining me as he does every week here on BGN Radio is the brains behind the operation at BleedingGreenNation.com. May he reign forever, Brandon Lee Gouton. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Gouton. BLG, how you doing, buddy? John, I'm excited, and really, it doesn't have anything to do with the Eagles right now. <laughs> uh, the Sixers just beat the Nuggets. Uh-huh. New Big Five. I'm, ex- I'm very excited about that. Talking about that a little bit before the show, and of course, the Phillies are. I don't know if they have me excited. I don't know what to think exactly. Yeah. I think they have the best catcher in the league now, right? So, mm-hmm. okay, that's cool. I'll, I'll just ignoring everything else along with it. I'll, I'll take it, and hopefully, they get Bryce Harper and get me really excited about something but we're not here to talk about that we're here about to talk about the eagles right if you want to talk about the phillies and you want to talk about the sixers go check out our our friends at liberty ballers uh for your sixers needs and of course i host a phillies podcast called hitting season as most of you guys probably know about you can catch that show on the good fight podcast feed again all part of the sb nation family and for flyers fans there's uh, broad street hockey radio of course again uh, just check all those guys out on apple podcasts and uh, rate subscribe and review just like you would for this particular podcast but yes we're going to jump into some eagle stuff here and uh let's start off where we've started off the last few podcasts so let's start off with nick Foles here blg because obviously his future is still a big topic of debate in philadelphia i i think it's pretty much a guarantee he's not going to be in Philadelphia next year. The Eagles officially picked up his 2019 option for $20 million. And for people who have not been following along with us over these last few weeks that perked their ears up thinking, oh, the Eagles picked up his option. But as we discussed over these last couple of weeks, they only did that so that Foles could then activate his opt-out to give the team back $2 million. And the Eagles are now reportedly considering placing the franchise tag on him and working out a potential trade. Now, BLG, there were reports this week that the Eagles plans to do that, to put the franchise tag on Foles only with the intent of trading him would violate the collective bargaining agreement. What's your take on that? Is is that a, is that a no-no? Because it's it feels to me like that's been done a couple of times in the past. 
Yeah, that kind of feels like one of those things that technically is a rule, but doesn't really get enforced by the NFL. Just like kind of how like the tampering when it comes to, you know, some of these head coaches, you know, that are, are supposed to not exactly be hired, you know, officially before their season is over. But like we all knew Brian Flores was going to Miami and we all knew Zach Taylor was going to Cincinnati. So it's, it's kind of just one of those things I feel like. Consider the source there. Like Florio always brings up the conspiracy angle. He's like a lawyer, you know, so he goes into the fine details, all that. And he's always like looking to kind of make something. I feel like out of something that's not as quite of a big a deal, probably as he's making it out to be. But I think when you talk about the franchise tag with Nick Foles, I mean, it kind of all this has kind of come a little bit more clear. I feel like into focus recently. And it seems obvious to me, and I'm sure I think you would agree, John, that you cannot franchise tag Nick Foles unless you can 100% trade him. Sure. Like, you you can't. Like, you can't just be like, okay, we're going to tag him and see what happens. Right. Like, there's no right. way. You can't because the, 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 the downside there is great. <laughs> and, and if then you can't trade him, then you're screwed. Like, you just have this $25 million cap hit. And I just don't think it's possible that Howie Roseman could do that. No one is that dumb. Right. I, I just feel like I don't even think Dave Gettleman or one of some of the worst GMs would even be that dumb. Like, it would take a special kind of dumb, I think, to do that. So I think if I had to put the chances on Nick Foles getting franchise tagged, I think I would say 18%, kind of an arbitrary <laughs> okay. number. But I, just, I, I feel like it's kind of low. It's it's more than zero because we've talked about it. Yeah. Like Howie Roseman is so creative that you can't rule it out entirely. You just can't. Something could happen unexpected. I, I can't say zero. I just don't think it's likely. I just don't. And the whole report, too, about like they're only going to place the franchise tag on him because they want to keep him away from the Giants or whatever. No, like they're not going to do that. I don't even think they care that much, to be honest with you. And that's my take on that. I, yeah. I think they're not deathly afraid of Nick Foles going to the Giants as some people might be. I really don't. They're especially they're not afraid enough to do that at risk of putting twenty five million dollars on their cap. No way. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I, I think that whatever team, if you are going to trade Nick Foles, if that is something the Eagles are able to do, and I remain highly skeptical that that's what's going to happen as well, then you have to just trade him to the team that gives you the best package. And if it's the Redskins or if it's the Giants, you have to face them twice a year. Then you do it. I mean, the the Eagles traded. Donovan McNabb towards the end of his career to the Washington Redskins, and that didn't hurt them. Now, of course, McNabb was at the tail end of his career. He really didn't have a whole lot left in the tank, and I think the Eagles knew it, whereas Foles, it sure seems like has a lot more in the tank than McNabb did at that stage in his career. But the thing that I don't understand, and, and maybe the reports are not accurate, but that everything that I've been seeing is that the Eagles would get likely probably max a third-round pick for him in this year's draft and if they just let him go to free agency and he signs the kind of contract that we all think he's going to sign they'd get a compensatory pick in next year's draft probably around the maybe maybe but you know i think what are the odds like 50 50 60 40 that they get a third round pick as a compensatory draft pick next year i mean it's close right i mean is it that my point is is it close enough that you that you run the risk even of, of franchising and trying to trade him. Unless you know somebody's willing to give you a two this year, I, I just don't see the upside. Yeah, I mean, it's just the whole thing with the comp pick, relying on that, it's just tough because you have to worry about, there's a lot of different factors that go into that. So it has to be Nick Foles signing that deal that's worth a third, and it could be, I don't know, uh, but maybe it's only worth a fourth. You know, it's still a very late third because it's even after all the regular third round picks. Whereas, you know, if you can get a third this year from a team 
it's probably not going to be a team towards the quite the bottom of the draft order. So you're probably getting at least like a mid third round pick. So that's a difference and you're getting it this year and it's guaranteed. Part of the other thing with the comp pick um, waiting on that is that what if the Eagles want to make a move in free agency this year? I don't know that they're making a big signing so much that it would cancel that out. But I mean, we, we saw that rumor, right, about the, the free top free agent pass rushers thing. So maybe that's kind of a factor into this and why they're potentially trying to angle for getting that sure thing of a pick this year as opposed to trying to to wait on that compensatory pick because they, they maybe they have a plan in free agency that they want to spend big on someone. So that's something you kind of have to figure and all that goes into the the calculus of all this and you know it's up to Howie Rosen to make that decision. But yeah, I mean I just when we're talking about likelihood again, it just doesn't seem likely that they're going to put the tag on him. And I know some people have been saying like and I and I I guess I get it in a way. It's like, isn't that kind of crazy? Yeah. You know, you have this guy who's a Super Bowl MVP who's played well, and you, like you just let him walk for nothing. Like that's kind of <laughs> I get that. How that's kind of like it's frustrating. You know, me as a kid not understanding how things always worked. Like I was so frustrated that the Eagles just let Tio go. Like I never understood that as a kid. I was like, we couldn't get anything for him. Yeah. And again, I was a kid. I didn't understand it fully. But I'm just saying, like. I get where the frustration comes from, just when you're not even understanding it all or just the emotional aspect to it all. It's it's certainly not the best thing in the world. And that's part of why there was that case to trade him last year. <laughs> now, you know, I'm not going to go back and argue that, but I'm just saying like that was part of the argument for it. This was always likely to happen, yeah. that he was going to walk in free agency. That was part of the argument for trading him last year. It wasn't just about trying to get him out of here or that he didn't have value to the Eagles in 2018 because he clearly did. But I'm just saying part of the wanting him out last year was that you could get something for him for sure. And now at the very best, you're getting a potential late third round pick in 2020, you know, again, next year. Mm -hmm. So you had to wait for that pick too. And it's just it's not the most ideal situation. It's not the, it doesn't feel like the best way to maximize the value of the situation when you have this Super Bowl MVP quarterback and like all you can get is the late third for him, maybe. Yeah, I guess I just, I realize that picking early in the third and picking just after the third round, that that is important. That 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 isn't nothing. But I, I guess the, the thing is that they wouldn't do this unless they felt reasonably sure they had something in place. I, I mean, is that fair? Yeah. Is that fair to say? Like, Howie Roseman is not. They have to. Yeah, right. I mean, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's that seems like that would just be suicide if it, to to go into it blind. And it's possible too. I mean, you look at last year during the Super Bowl week. Like, it was still January. It was the last day of January when that Alex Smith trade broke with the with Washington and them trading for him. So you know they can't make the trade official until March if they were to trade Nick Foles. But I mean, they still can't, they can agree on a negotiation right now. And it's not like a team's going to back out of that deal because if they did, they're like, that would tie all bridges with the Eagles. That would mess up a lot of things. The reputation would be hit around the league too, for sure. Yeah. Like, if the if one of those teams from that Washington trade last year, Alex Smith going to Washington, like if one of those teams backed out of that, like they would be done. Like yeah. no one else would trade. How could you trade with them again? I mean, they went against their word. So I don't, I'm not worried about that aspect so much. But yeah, so it's possible that it could get done. Again, you can't rule it out with Howie Roseman being here and him trying to find a way to get creative. I just I don't think it's likely. Um, and then part of that too is you have to have Nick Foles under that 25 million to start the new league year. You know what I mean? Like you, you it doesn't yeah. work where you just trade him and that money doesn't count right away because you, you traded him or you agreed to the deal before the new league year begins. Like I'm pretty sure that like there's an order of operations here. Right. Like the new league year begins and you have to be under the cap 
And you have to do that while fitting Nick Foles under that $25 million amount. So that means you're going to have to you know, clear up room basically just to have him on the roster so you can then trade him. The gist of all this is that it's so complicated and there's so many factors that just that's what makes it unlikely. Not impossible, but just pretty unlikely. Let's talk about Carson Wentz a little bit here, BLG, because obviously now this is his team. I mean, barring a catastrophe where and I, I use the word catastrophe if Nick Foles is on the team next year. I mean, obviously something went very wrong, but I don't know that we'd call it a catastrophe because you'd still have Nick Foles. But, you know, I wrote a piece for BleedingGreenNation.com this week talking about how it's imperative that Nick Foles and Carson Wentz not be on the same team moving forward. And I, there are some people, I'm sure, who would maybe disagree about Nick Foles being the quarterback or Carson Wentz being the quarterback, but I think most people would agree that having both of these guys together again is kind of untenable. You can make an argument for one or the other, but it sure seems as though it's going to be Carson Wentz and all signs are pointing towards that and the team has said that, so we both agree that's the right call. And now Carson Wentz is responding to that Philly voice piece. And I also thought... um, Gosh, who was it? Was it Mike Sielski who wrote a piece today about how we turn people yeah. into villains? You know, it's just kind of, it, yes. it's kind of how we we do it in Philadelphia, and really the the media does it in sports and in politics and in general news. You know, we we have these heroes, and we we as part of the narrative, they get turned into villains, and that's what's happened to Carson Wentz here during the course of this season. And he may he he talked to a bunch of the beat writers uh, earlier this week, and I thought this was the most important part, BLG, when he acknowledged that he, quote, maybe wasn't the greatest teammate at times over the past year because he was emotionally kind of all over the place. Those are his words as he battled multiple injuries. Uh, He said, quote, you go through the ACL injury and you're just 100% determined to get back. That's like what my mind is on. And looking back, were there things that maybe I neglected as a teammate and as a friend because I was just so determined and that's all that mattered, Wentz said. Dude, that's what I was saying all year. You know what I mean? Like, And we talked about it on the last podcast too. Like, People think that these athletes are just like Madden characters. You know, when you're playing a video game, what's going on at home doesn't come into play. What your relationship yeah. is with your teammates, what you, what it is you're going through, coming back. For, when you lose a guy in Madden for a year, he comes back and he's fine the next year. Like, you know, there, there's none of the emotional and mental stuff that goes into what actually happens with real people. And I hear people saying, you know, Wentz just needs to get over it. He needs to stop looking over his shoulder. Wentz was going through stuff. We talked about it on the podcast last week. He was going through stuff. And I think what he just said is exactly what I was thinking he was kind of going through this year. It's like that took a mental toll on him. And I think that's why we're going to see a very different quarterback in 2000, in 2019, BLG. Yeah, I think that's very well said there, John. We talked about it again, like we said on the last podcast, I believe, or at least one of these um, multiple times yeah in, in the recent yeah just like how hard it was on him and i think it's just it's so impossible for us to even understand that you hit the nail on the head with the madden comment like it's it's just so easy to think of things in that sense and look we live in like the madden generation right yeah. like i grew up playing madden like we just you just get used to that kind of line of thinking you don't think about and and you know what shows that we don't really give any weight to that is when the eagles hired doug peterson And there was all this talk about emotional intelligence. And I'm pretty sure everyone, myself included, was like, that's just like, who cares? That doesn't mean anything. Like, we just want the best coach. As it turns out, clearly was some importance to that aspect of the job. And really, if you look at Doug Peterson, it's probably it probably is his number one quality. And it probably matters a lot because you look at how those players play for him and they play hard from him. So that means a lot. And I think it's something that we can't really value properly with Carson Wentz. And I was glad to see 
those kind of pieces come out from Carson this week, the the things that he said. Now, you know, I think you have to give a lot of credit to the Eagles PR staff here. I, I clearly think um, they set the message for him. And to Carson's credit, you know, he really stuck with the message. I don't think all players do that. You know, I think, you know, PR people try to guide players sometimes and they don't necessarily stick to that yeah. or they're not able to or or they don't want to, quite frankly. But Carson did. You know, he fell in line. And I think he, even if what he said, you know, was kind of rehearsed in the sense of it was what they wanted him to say, I think it came off genuine to me. It wasn't like just lip service. It kind of, it felt real to me from what I could see, what I took out of it. And I, I listened to his interviews and I, and I read them all. So again, to me, none of this really matters. Like, because I, I go back to what I said on the emergency podcast after this whole report came out. Like if Carson Wentz is literally like the best teammate in the entire world and he sucks next year, guess what? It doesn't matter. Like that's the bottom line. Like it, it, he's going to be judged ultimately on how he plays. And conversely, if he's the worst teammate, but he is like the MVP of the league and he's the Super Bowl MVP, it doesn't matter. Like it's it's just it all comes down to how he performs. It is a huge year for him in 2019. As we've said all along, the pressure is on him to perform and people are going to be paying attention to him closely too off the field. So that's going to be a factor. But I think just one of the whole biggest things that kind of got missed in the Philly voice report, I just think Carson was different last year in 2018. And uncharacteristically so. And I think that's what that kind of story like got at. But I don't necessarily know if it like forced and reinforced that enough or or kind of stressed that point enough because it just it just seems like he was different and out of character. And I think, you know, having this situation kind of be different this year in 2019 where the slate is wiped clean in the sense of Nick Foles is gone and he's going to be able to kind of reclaim his team again. I think that's going to help him. Now, we'll see if that's the case, but going into it, I just that's how I feel. Well, I, I think so, too, because it's hard to play looking over your shoulder. I don't care how good you are, and I, I mentioned in the piece, and I think I've referred to it on the podcast, it does remind me of the Joe Montana-Steve Young thing, where you've got these two great quarterbacks, and Joe Montana, as great as he was, was looking over his shoulder some at Steve Young. Now, Joe Montana managed to win... I think it was, what, three Super Bowls doing that. So, I mean, you there are some quarterbacks that can put it behind them, but Joe Montana also had a number of years under his belt. He already had a Super Bowl title under his belt before Steve Young came along. And by no means is Nick Foles Steve Young, and by no means is Carson Wentz Joe Montana. But when I talk about this situation, I talk about two starting caliber quarterbacks who both want to start. They both want to play. It's hard to have a team where that dynamic exists, especially when the backup quarterback is the guy who won the Super Bowl the year before in dramatic fashion. So Carson Wentz had a lot on his plate. He had a a lot to do to try and get back on the field. And then at the end of the year, again, it all fell apart because of injuries. I can't imagine the frustration that he must have felt last year. But I know that coming into this season, he's going to be under a ton of pressure. Like you said, this is a big year coming up for him. It does make me wonder, and I think I know the answer to this question, BLG, but do you think they will work out a long-term extension for him this year? Because I think actually getting an extension done now lessens the pressure on Carson Wentz. I know that that might be run counter to what most people think because you, you sign a, a big money deal, the city's going to expect him to live up to that deal. But what it does to me is it ensconces him and leaves no doubt in the mind of anybody in the city that he is the guy moving forward no matter what happens in 2019. Did you say sconces? Are we talking about Kerry Williams and here? And sconces. 
No, I'm I kidding. know. Scon- oh, it's just a bad I'm, joke. I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a wall sconce right now, and that's why it popped into my head. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll never not be able to think know, of right? Carrie Williams when you think of sconces. Luckily, sconces just... doesn't come up in conversation very often. So there you yeah, go. Yeah. Well, only with him. Um, <laughs> so yeah, when. I forgot what you, you asked me. No, I was, I was too focused. On that's fine. I'm just saying, like, you know, the, the contract. Do you think Carson Wentz will get his oh, long-term yes. contract this offseason? And, and what kind of an effect do you well, think it'll should. have? Yeah. They should. Why not? He's clearly the guy. Even if you don't think he's the guy, he's clearly their guy. Like, that much is clear. Even if you don't want Carson Wentz to be the quarterback, which is dumb, by the way, <laughs> they're not moving on from him. They're just, like, who's who are they moving on to? They're going to just draft someone after this year? Is Nate Sudfeld, who is a restricted free agent this year, and then will will therefore be an unrestricted free agent next year, going to be the answer? I don't think so. Like for better or for worse, they're all in on Carson Wentz, and why not? Kind of, if you sign him to that extension now, I at least I feel like that's where you're getting the best value. Like that's what you want too. Even putting the mental stuff aside, the Eagles can go to Carson Wentz, and now maybe this is why Carson Wentz wouldn't want to sign the deal. By the way, because they can go to his agent and be like, "Look, Carson." is a really incredibly talented individual. We're going to give him a lot of money, but there are going to be some things here that kind of prevent it from being the biggest deal in the sense that he's had some injury issues and there have been some you know, questions off the field as the report came up. And I think they can use some of those things to kind of you know drive the price down a little bit. And now, not like a ton, you know, it's not going to be like they're going to get him at a bargain, but I'm just saying it kind of just makes it a little bit more manageable than it would be if, say, you waited until next offseason and let's say he has another year like he did in 2017 and he's like the MVP, then you're going to have to probably pay a lot more than you would have this offseason. So I just feel like, and that's the Eagles MO too. You look at the Zach Ertz contract and the Lane Johnson contract that were signed years ago. Part of why Howie Roseman gets a lot of credit is because, and the Eagles as a whole, philosophically, is because they typically pay those guys early. And there's a risk in doing that because if you pay them early and then they stink, then you're stuck with that contract. But if you pay them early and they turn out to be just as good as you think they are, then they're bargains. Because that's what Zach Ertz and Lane Johnson are right now. Like They're really good contracts for the caliber of player they are, and they're signed until, like I don't know, 2020-something. Like They're locked up long-term. You don't even have to worry about it. Yeah. Like That's the awesome thing about that kind of deal. So I think that's what you ideally want with Carson. I think you want to go in and try to get him on a deal like that. And the incentive for him is that he knows he's had some injury issues, and he wants that stability. And maybe it's just not the financial stability, but like you said, kind of the mental stability of it all too. Like, hey, this team is offering me that long-term deal. This makes me feel good about myself. You know, cause I, like, I am the answer here. And that shows they have confidence in me. And then I have confidence in myself that I'm going to go out and make them prove it to them that I'm worth this deal. And I think that's what would be ideal to me is, yes, you should get it done. Because what are we waiting for? Like, what's what are we waiting for otherwise? I don't I don't know why would we, we'd wait on it. No, I don't either. I think that now is the right time for the Eagles to strike. And like you said, Wentz might balk, but I think Wentz doesn't strike me as a guy who... Well, Wentz wants to get paid probably the most that he can get paid. He wants to make the most out of this And the deal. union does, yeah, too. For That's sure. the, always, you know, yeah, the part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I think it makes all the sense in the world for these two teams to get it done now. I really hope that they do for a number of different reasons, as we've both kind of laid out. But... I think that's where we stand with Foles and Wentz right now. Um, maybe by the next time we chat, uh, we'll have a better idea, maybe some more of an indication where Foles might end up. You know, this uh, quarterback quote-unquote controversy will will finally be able to put it to bed soon here, BLG, because I think that's 
really what we all want, uh, is to not have to talk about Wentz versus Foles anymore. Coming up, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the coaching moves the team has made over the last week and give you some of our thoughts on Super Bowl 53. We'll do that more coming up right here on BGN Radio. And we're back on BGN Radio. John Stolness and Brandon Lee Galton chatting with you about the Eagles. And uh, we got some coaching moves to talk about here at BLG. And once again, we're seeing a trend here with the Eagles, man. We're seeing them all promoting from within. And I know this is something that we talked about on the podcast this year. Not a great trend that we've seen from this team uh doing basically keeping everything in-house moving guys up from the ranks usually i i like the idea of that i like the idea of promoting from within and the the business i work in uh, especially specifically the place i work <laughs> we, we tend to try and do that but in this case i'm not sure it's Awesome. So uh, the Eagles promoted defensive quality control assistant defensive line coach Philip Daniels to the def- as a, to the defensive line coach position. Uh, assistant wide receivers coach Carson Walsh has been promoted to wide receivers coach. Arkansas. This one's big for you, baby. Arkansas. Oh, this is huge. I, yeah, this is the big one. Arkansas offensive analyst and QB coach G.J. Kinney has been hired as an as an offensive yes. assistant. Uh, we also heard uh, this week that former Eagle long snapper Mike Bartram has been hired as tight ends coach and evaluator. Uh, just give me a quick overview on these moves. What do you think about them? Yeah, I mean, the G.J. thing is obviously it's beautiful, the man. I saw, start there. I saw that and I thought um, of you immediately, man. <laughs> it's it's amazing. I really appreciate all of the support. I like That tweet happened and I, I just 10 people or more just immediately were just like, Oh my gosh, did you see this? Did you see this? And I was like, yes, I did see this. Thank you for alerting me. Obviously, I would know before all of you as the, the number one G.J. Kinney supporter, as always. But um, yeah, that's it's, it's really cool. I like it. You know, my relationship, if you want to call that with G.J., um, is just that, or my appreciation of him, I should say, is just that he was such a fun player when he was with the Eagles because he was willing, you know, he was the fourth string quarterback. But he lined up everywhere in practice. Like if they wanted him at safety, he lined up there. If he wanted him, they, he literally moved to wide receiver at one point. So like right. he would do anything to help the team. And I just think hopefully, you know, that, that maybe that makes him a good coach one day because he's just kind of willing to do anything. Like he's a grinder. There's no limit. You know, ask DJ to do anything and he'll do it. So that'll be cool. Um, apparently, he was kind of around the team a little bit late in the season. And hey, I'm just saying, Eagles had their best run late in the season. Could it could it be that DJ Kinney was there and he turned around the team? I mean, you, you can't say that's you can't like you can't rule that out. Can't I'm dismiss just, it. Nope. Carson W. being promoted to Eagles wide receivers coach. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, you know, Carson W. You know, just all this controversy this offseason about him being selfish and controlling, and all of a sudden promoted to wide receivers coach. So that's kind of crazy. Everyone really enjoyed that one, by the way, where I wrote the article that right. Carson W. was promoted mm-hmm. to Eagles wide receivers coach. Accused of clickbait. It wasn't clickbait. Not clickbait. Guys. I was just, no goofing off i was just having fun with a boring story um i don't know a lot of these these you know coaching hires it's you never know exactly what to make of them i just the thing that gets me and you kind of mentioned it is it just feels uncreative to me when you're kind of just always hiring the guy you know instead of maybe interviewing people as a whole and maybe hiring someone who impresses you the most as opposed to just knowing someone and all these hires are they're either internal promotions or, you know, you look at Matt Burke, who they hired, the Dolphins defensive coordinator. That was a Jim Schwartz guy. Those guys are tight. You look at the assistant offensive line coach they hired, uh, Roy Istvan. Mm-hmm. Like that guy is a Stoutland guy. Those guys are tight. So it's kind of just like, 
maybe be a little bit more creative. I don't know. Might not be a big deal. So I don't I don't really know if it matters a ton. I just it's kind of a little bit annoying, especially when you look at the situation we were in last year. And I talked about it a ton of times with Mike Rowe, where it just felt like they prioritized offensive coordinator and head coach and quarterback coach so much when this regime was put together back in 2016. Like they really went out of their way to emphasize that like all the time. It was a huge selling point of that coaching staff. And all of a sudden, last offseason, I remember going back recently and seeing like they th- there wasn't even a plan to interview other outside candidates. So they didn't even do that. Like they just automatically decided to promote from within. And I just think that's a mistake. Like I get the whole idea of wanting to reward or build a rewarding culture. I get that. I think there's merit to that. But you, you can't even interview other candidates from the outside. I think that's just lazy. Like, why wouldn't you? Why? What are you losing by like interviewing other people? Even if you're not going to hire them, you could at least have them in mind down the road. Or, you know, you could maybe pick their brain for some ideas. I just, I don't know. I just, I'm not crazy about automatically promoting from within all the time. That's just how I feel. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I I think you have to look outside the organization. But I do think when you have a successful team like the Eagles have had, and I know the offense struggled for much of the early part of the season, but some of that could have been due to some of the um, some of the shuffling in and out of some of the players. Obviously, Carson Wentz was not completely himself, but we also we also know Mike Rowe did not do a good job running this offense for most of the season. It picked up a little bit towards the end of the year. Um, it picked up a little bit when when, when G.J. Kinney was at. That's right, the missing link, as you mentioned. But and and maybe that's you know maybe that's part of it. We don't know exactly what was going on with the Eagles' offense this year. But there was a drop off at when Frank Reich left and uh, and and uh, and uh, I'll grow. I was going to call him Al Groh. John D. Filippo. Yeah, <laughs> John D. Filippo. But Mike Groh came in and took over the offense. And, you know, that, a lot of that we were complaining about the fact that they just didn't get any outside voices. And, you know, you don't want to be in a warped bubble. No, no matter how good you are, no matter how good your offensive scheme and your system is, it does help to have some outside perspectives. So um, maybe it's not all that big a deal when you're talking about the defensive line coach. I mean, because Jim Schwartz is running mm-hmm. that anyway, you know, but at the same... And the talent's just so good. It's yeah. like, what do you really need, you know, to get out of those guys more? Exactly. I mean, that's that's supposed to be a loaded group anyway, and it'll probably get better at the draft and, uh, you know, during, the, during free agency. So it's not like you have to try and you know, squeeze every last drop out of a, a limited group, a limited group. So, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, you don't want this just to be the, the blanket way they do it moving forward. You want to be able to see them. You want to see that they're willing to at least bring in some outside people. So we'll see again. These are not, these are not huge moves. These are not, you know, these are not earthquake causing coaching changes, but you know, these are important positions that, that, uh, especially GJ Kinney, BLG is going to be mm. a major addition to the uh, to the Eagles coaching staff. All right, talk about let's talk about Super Bowl Fifty Three, Brandon. We didn't get a chance oh, to chat yes. about this. It's almost a full week old now, and it does feels like it was a long time ago already. I, I think mm. it's this game became a game that was forgotten almost as soon as the gun sounded. You know, for as it should be. Yeah, I mean, this game will be the only thing people are going to remember about this game is that it was hopefully. Tom Brady's last Super Bowl victory or Bill Belichick's last Super Bowl victory. It was number six for them. Congratulations, I guess, you know, on winning. No, 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 six no, no, no congratulations. Yeah, I'm try- <laughs> I, you know, even trying to be the bigger man here just doesn't feel good. I'll be honest with you. But at the end of the day, BLG, when you sat down on the couch, who did you end up rooting against? And I noticed I said rooting against. And yes. are you happy with the outcome? 
I was fine with it. I look, come on. I did not want the Rams to win. I, we talked about this. It would have been so much more annoying if the Rams. Like, are are you annoyed that the Patriots won right now today? I'm not. No. 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 Like, who is? Like, is anyone like really hung up on that still? I don't think so. I mean, you might look at it and be like, ah, annoying. Yeah. But it's nothing more than that. It's nothing more than like maybe a minor inconvenience as opposed to look. If the Rams won, I guarantee you, you would not feel that same way right now. You would be like, because there'd be like a million think pieces on how Sean McVay is the best coach maybe ever. Like, and I don't even think I'm exaggerating there. I think that would be an actual piece if that was. Oh, I think it would be. um, If the Rams, because he just beat the the best coach ever. So now is he the best coach ever, even though Doug Peterson did that last year? So for me, it was an amazing day for my brand, which is obviously most important. (laughs) And that Sean McVay, he's not. I called him a fraud after the game. That's probably a little a little too harsh. I, I don't think he's a fraud in the sense that I think he's a bad coach, but I don't I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. And I think you saw that in the Super Bowl. I think he was he was such a coward, first of all, by not going oh for gosh. it on fourth and three again in Patriots territory. Again. Yeah, again, as he's done pretty much all year long, he's a coward. And then he like they ran a coward's draw on like third and twenty two instead of passing it. Like take a shot deep. So what if it gets picked off? It's like a punt at that point. Like, take a shot. So that's that's pathetic to me. And then how Jared Goff is like, I feel like getting a lot more blame than McVay is. Like he's almost like taking the brunt of it. And he it's is. like it's not McVay's fault. It's it's all Goff's fault. Like, come on, give me a break. Oh, and by the way, did you see that video? That's John? what I was gonna talk to you about. McVay? Yes. T- oh my oh. god, it's so pathetic. It is he's just like kissing his butt. Yeah. He's like, Oh, you're the best coach ever. For man. people who like, do, who for people who don't like... know what we're talking about, uh NFL films. <laughs> they deleted it, John. Did they delete they it? No, they it. didn't. Oh they my gosh. They deleted the video because it was so embarrassing. And I bet you McVeigh or someone or, or someone from the Rams is like, you have to take this down because this is just like cringe level embarrassment where McVeigh is just like kissing bill belichick's butt i think bill belichick even felt like weird because like yes. he was like yeah okay thank you yeah yeah, yeah. And he's like i mean I think he kind of wanted to get away from he's like this is like this is a little too weird man like belichick is so, belichick is antisocial anyway and so it was kind of yeah. but i mean and for people who don't know what we're talking about nfl films released uh their what are their mic'd in segments from the super bowl and you know during the pregame the coaches meet with each other and they talk and remember i remember doug peterson the famous uh, scene is doug peterson and bill belichick talking about the game and doug's like man i, I think there's a game's going to be played sometime today right and you know they're congratulating each other with mutual respect but doug is not kissing belichick's rear end i mean he's it's a respectful conversation. They're having a friendly conversation, but it seemed to me like Doug felt like he was Belichick's equal just in that conversation. And that was my big takeaway from it. It's like McVeigh mm. is like, you're just the greatest. I think you're amazing. You do everything <laughs> right. I couldn't be prouder to be on this field with you. Oh he was God. so deferential to Belichick. He clearly felt like Belichick was his superior. And he coached lost like the it. game right there. Yes, John. He exactly. Lost the, game. That was, the game was lost right there. I 100% like, believe doing? that. Yep. It was so pathetic. And Doug Peterson last year, by the way, his exchange with Belichick, Belichick was like, hey, man, he said something about like not having enough tape or something. Oh, I couldn't find much tape when you guys were. Yeah, down. yeah. Like, Belichick said that to Peterson. He's like, it was, it was hard to find tape when you guys were. When you guys were you know, losing or, or something. Or yeah. Games. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, trying to use stuff that we could use against you. So you had Belichick saying that to Doug. And then, yeah, just contrast it this year. And also Doug Peterson in his book literally said, like, I looked at Bill Belichick and I said, oh, I'm going to kick your tail. I'm definitely going to kick your tail. Because apparently Belichick had kind of talked trash a little bit. That was kind of included in the book as well. No, I didn't There was see some that. of that. that. That wasn't caught and mic'd up. Yeah. But there was some kind of like reference to that. I don't know if it was specifically Belichick 
or someone from the Patriots or what. But there was some kind of reference to that in the book. So I just love how that is contrasted there. And it just, ah, man, I, I really do like that. The the they, they scored the fewest points in Super Bowl history. So you can <laughs> chill with the offensive genius stuff because that is that was pathetic. It was a pathetic effort by the Rams. I still think the Rams are going to be a good team next offseason or next year, next the 2019 season here. I don't think they're this total fraud team, you know, that's somehow got here. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I think they're merely good instead of elite. And I think people just need to calm down on the Sean McVay hype. I really do because it's crazy and it's just not fair to Doug Peterson. That's that's what gets me about it. We were kind of talking or you were talking about earlier in the show here, John, about how we, we fall into the trap of tearing someone down because we want to make prop someone else up. But I feel like in the case and why it's different here with Doug Peterson and Sean McVay is because Sean McVay's praise has specifically come at the expense of Doug. Yes. It's like, Sean McVay does something and it's amazing. Doug Peterson does something even better or equal and it doesn't even matter. There were literally people saying this season that Doug Peterson deserved zero credit for last year's Super Bowl. Like that was being said yeah. this season. That yeah. was being said at some point. That's crazy. And meanwhile, Sean McVay, who is much less accomplished and much more of a coward, is like the best coach ever. And literally the entire NFL based their, well, not the entire NFL, but a an entire group of NFL teams making new coaching hires this year based their system on trying to find the next Sean McVay yeah, or hired coaches just because they knew Sean McVay or literally had a write-up like the Cardinals did in why they hired Cliff Kingsbury because he was a friend of Sean McVay. That is pathetic. If you sat next to Sean McVay, if you sat next to Sean McVay on an airplane at one point in your life, you probably got a job interview this, this, this fall, this summer. I mean, it's crazy. All right, well, let's move on past mid the because we, we could go on about this for a very long time. I, and at the end of the day, if people want to sleep on Doug Peterson and the Eagles, that's fine by me. I, I think Doug Peterson deserves yeah. a Coach of the Year award at some point. He'll he'll probably mm, get one uh, at some point. Be, he got one vote last year, which John. is he just insanity. one vote. It's just insanity. One. I mean, it's just crazy. And so uh, he deserves better. But uh, if they're going to keep underestimating Doug Peterson, that's that's fine by me because that likely means a lot more. Eagles W's uh, moving down the line real quick. Where does this, where does this Super Bowl rank as the worst Super Bowls of all time? Cause I, I, this was certainly one of the most, I guess there's two different distinctions. There's boring and there's worst, you know, like this was just, I think yeah. the worst played Super Bowl I've ever seen, but I don't know if it was the most boring because it was close the whole game. You felt like at any time, mm. It could pick up. I remember there was that. Remember that game against the Bengals where Joe Montana led them back at the very end with like uh, three minutes left. Uh, that game up to that point was very much like Super Bowl Fifty Three. Very sloppy. The defenses dominated. Joe Montana couldn't get anything going. Boomer Esiason couldn't get anything going. But then Joe Montana drove him down on that last drive and threw that touchdown pass to John Taylor with like half a minute left in the game. It was an exciting ending. And I thought, okay, maybe that's the kind of finish we're looking at here. Maybe the Rams go down and, and you see a furious last seven, eight minutes where these teams figure it out. But you, it kept you watching the whole game. There's a bunch of Super Bowls in recent history where it was a blowout from the beginning of the game where you basically just didn't have any reason to watch midway through the second quarter. So I just wanted to get your thoughts. Like, where does this game, what, what do you, how do you see this game as it's etched in NFL history? It's just not memorable at all. Bad game, good game. It, I'm not going to remember this game. It doesn't count there. I mean, I, I said all along that, and we said it last week, this Super Bowl didn't matter. 
maybe I was just being a little bit humorous in there. Can't say for sure. Right. But I mean, it's clear that humor aside, this game is not really going to stick out. And, and that's part of the reason, too, why I think Eagles fans should be happy with the result. Because it's not like, you know, there was this uh, epic victory, you know, by the Patriots that kind of overshadowed last year. No, like, I think, you know, when you're thinking about Super Bowl performances, if it's possible to look at that as from an objective or neutral view, you're thinking back to the last year's Super Bowl, which is really exciting and was super dramatic. I think before you think of this past one where, it was a snooze fest. It wasn't even. And the other thing about like this whole, oh, it was just great defense. No, it was not. Stop it with that. It was not. No, it, was it was sloppy. Too, it was just bad offense. It, the Rams weren't stopping Tom Brady. Like he just stunk at some points. Like he just threw some really. He had some really awful passes. And so did Jared Goff. By the way, a guy was literally wide open in the end zone. And yeah, Cordy oh. comes in and he flies in and makes that play. But I mean, like if Jared Goff just like <laughs> is your average quarterback. Instead of doing whatever the hell he was doing, how many times does a quarterback make that quarterback make that throw? Like ninety out of a hundred, more. Like it's just that's not good defense to me. It was just bad offense. Uh, it was a sloppy game. It is a game that we've probably spent too much time talking about. Really, to be honest <laughs> with you, um, yeah. it's just it's unmemorable. It doesn't matter. It never mattered. All that matters is last year's Super Bowl. It's the only Super Bowl that matters. And by the way, this is this is definitely something a, a thirsty comment to make, but uh, Nick Foles is still the last <laughs> quarterback to throw a touchdown pass in a Super Bowl after uh, what we saw in Super yep. Bowl 53. All right, we're going to step away, take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to finish up the podcast talking, taking a look at the Super Bowl odds for 2020 for next year. And there's a team at the top. Man, you couldn't pay me to put money on the team they have up at the top. We'll get into all that coming up in just a second right here on BGN Radio. And we're back on BGN Radio. So, BLG, the odds for Super Bowl 2020 are out. Now, obviously... Each sports book has their own betting odds, but um, in a piece we have up at bleedinggreennation.com, we have uh, some of the first odds that are out there. And um, the team, I know you know the answer to this question. I was going to ask you to guess, but since you wrote the post, I figured you know. Um, the team at the top uh, with the best odds to win next year's Super Bowl are Andy Reid's Kansas City Chiefs at six to one. Oh no, I know. Followed by the Rams and the Saints and the Patriots all at eight to one. Before we get to where the Eagles are, we have to address an Andy Reid coach team with the best odds to win the Super Bowl. Have people not been paying attention for the last two decades of Andy Reid's career? It's hard enough for him to get to the Super Bowl, let alone make him the favorite to win it. I love Andy Reid. There is no way I'm putting money, and anyone who puts money on the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, especially when they have the odds that'll give you the least payout right now, nuts. Yeah. And I think, look, I think this is probably a lot of Patrick Mahomes overreaction. And that's not to say I think Patrick Mahomes is bad. He's not. I think he's going to be really good again for a long time, and especially in 2019. But I mean, his numbers were just so good this past season that. He's probably going to see some regression, just you know, kind of like we were saying about Carson Wentz heading into 2018. Like he was just so good that even if he had a really good 2018 season, that he was still probably just not going to be as good as 2017. So I think that's kind of something you know that's that's has to be considered there. And really, I mean, obviously, it's going to sound very homerish of me to say, but man, the Eagles are twenty to one, Josh. Yeah, I know. Look at that. that. So if you put down ten dollars. You could win two hundred dollars. Like 
Is that really a crazy thing to do? No. I don't think so. I'm not going to say I'm advocating for anyone to do that. You know, well, how tell you them the teams who are in you, front but... of the Eagles. The teams in front of the Eagles right <laughs> the now. The Cowboys, <laughs> the Packers, the Vikings, the Steelers, the Bears, and then the, the Chargers. And then, as you mentioned, the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Saints, and the Patriots, obviously. Like, man, really? The Cowboys ahead of the Eagles? I mean, come on. Give me a break. Um, the Packers, you know, the Rodgers, who knows? The Vikings, just get out of here. Come on. I mean, they're all at 16 to 1. The Vikings, Packers, and Cowboys all at 16 to 1 right now, ahead of the Eagles at 20 to 1. I mean, that's. Steelers didn't even make the playoffs last year. Come on. Like, like, I don't know. And they're, and they're, they're dealing with a bunch of turmoil. So to me, that Eagles bet is tempting. Uh, I, I, I get why they are not quite all the way at the top. Like, I totally get that. Sure. Because. This, this team is going to look different next year. There are so many things in flux this offseason, as we have talked about. But when you just consider that the Eagles have one of the best coaches in the NFL, Doug Peterson, which says you know, he's proven that, and you consider that really they have one of the best, better, I would say, defensive coordinators in the NFL, in Jim Schwartz, and that they have still pretty good play in the trenches for the most part. I think you can still project that, even though there's going to be some changes there. And... Most importantly, a really, really good quarterback who, even again, if you have, you know, you're skeptical about Carson Wentz, you have concerns. If you're just looking at his upside, you know, and what he could be at his very best, you have to look at that 20 to 1. And I just feel like you have to think, hey, I wouldn't be crazy if I put $10 on this to win $200. I just think that's kind of a nice little bet there. They have the Cleveland Browns also at 20 to 1. Now Cleveland was improved <laughs> this year. This is Baker Mayfield love, right? I mean that that's got to be why they have them yeah. at 20 to 1 right now. I will tell you the team that I like at in the middle here more than more than most and then I want to ask you for to give me one one long shot that you think uh, okay. is worth putting some money on here, but the team it, I don't think you'd consider it a long shot given the odds here, but those San Francisco 49ers at 50 to 1. Remember, that's a team that came into the year as a potential playoff team and the only reason they weren't was because Garoppolo hurt himself uh, in the preseason. They get Garoppolo healthy and he he plays. Oh no, it was uh he got hurt in what? Was it week Did he get was it in the regular season he got hurt? Was it week 1 or week Yeah, it was like week 2 or week 3. Okay. It was early on. I, yeah, now that I remember, I said that out loud. I was like, "No, I think he played a game or two this." And anyway, cuz he got off to a slow start. Um, but if Garoppolo comes back and he's as effective as he was at the end of the 2017 season, the 49ers are a playoff team probably, and that's not 50 to one odds. That's uh, you know, that's putting ten dollars down to make 500. You know, not bad. I think that's a middle of the pack team. I could I could see that happening. And of all the of all the long shot teams for me, BLG, I look at the Buffalo Bills at 100 to one. Buffalo Bills played. <laughs> hey, listen. Their quarterback, Josh Allen, played some pretty good football this year. I know a couple of Bills fans. I work with a couple of Bills fans who are very excited about him. And that Bills team played some... running back, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) He can't throw. He has to work on the throwing. I guess that's true. But that's a team that that actually played pretty well in a lot of games this year. If I'm looking... Their defense was legit. Yeah. If I'm looking for a team to come out of nowhere, that's the one I'm picking out of that group. Okay. Um, I'll play your game here, John. Please. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the Colts. I know they're twenty to one, so I guess that's kind of not exactly. You know, it's a little bit higher than your the Forty Niners there, but I mean they have Frank Reich, obviously, who's a really good coach, as we know. Andrew Luck, you can you know you can envision him as a Super Bowl winning type of quarterback. 
and I think they have like the most cap space in the league this offseason. Like they can that's crazy to think yeah. of, by the way. Like that they made it, you know, to where they did. And they have all these and I think their their GM, Chris Ballard, has proven to be a pretty good executive. Like they've made some really good yeah. personnel moves there. And that's um, for and them that's, to turn a, I was just saying that's with a quarterback making a ton of money too. It's not like they have a, a, yeah. a rookie quarterback deal there. Exactly. So I I think and they're going to be a popular pick. So that's not really me being against the trend there. But I just think um, that if hey you want to put down ten dollars on the Eagles and you know maybe another ten dollars on the Colts, there you go. I think those are uh, I think that's money potentially well spent there. And if we're talking about a long shot or at least one of the longer long shots, um, I mean Miami's three hundred to one. <laughs> <laughs> not going to do that though. Yeah. But. Uh, I, I do like that. Who else did I have here? Um, uh, it's it's tough. Um, I mean, all these teams at the bottom look terrible. I mean, that's why they're down there. But they I was do. I thought I had one. Um, it's not the Jets. Um, man, uh, I don't know. I thought I had one, and now I feel like I lost it. I think um, I'm trying to figure out what another team that could possibly jump back into the mix here. I mean... If the could the Jets? What if the what if the Jaguars get Nick Foles? Well, there you go. Yeah, maybe the Jaguars get Nick Foles and they jump up the list a little bit there. But yeah, it's a uh, you know what? It's it's still way too early. We obviously have to see what these teams do on draft day. We have to see what these teams do in free agency. But that's why it's kind of interesting to look at this now. And I agree. I think Eagles are twenty to one with the Cowboys, Packers, and Vikings all ahead of them in the NFC. And I can understand the Bears being ahead of the Eagles a little bit right now. They're kind of a chic pick. But again, I don't know that I think the Bears are a better. Super Bowl contender than the Eagles, giving the fact that the Eagles were maybe one dropped pass away from advancing to the NFC title game this year with a mash unit. Um, leads me to think that I, I still go back to what Colin Cowherd was saying about the Eagles, how how much they impressed him in that game against the Saints. I, that I took a lot out of that loss, you know, and I, that's why I'm feeling really good about Carson Wentz. Next year, too, I think uh, knowing the team is his, I feel really good about the Eagles' chances next year. So 20 to 1, BLG and I say that's smart money, kids. Go ahead and throw $10 down at your corner corner bookie there and uh, get yourself uh, $200 at the end of the season. All right, BLG, final thoughts as we wrap up Episode 37 of BGN Radio. Final thoughts are Sixers look pretty good tonight. Um, you know, it was their first night <laughs> with the Big Five altogether and there were obvious lapses in terms of just not having worked together and look Joel Embiid had one of his worst games arguably his worst game of his entire career and guess what didn't matter he was still awesome and he made some big plays down the stretch so very excited about the Sixers here hopefully the Phillies get Bryce Harper because mm -hmm. it's just I mean baseball free agency it's just it's killing torture. me I don't even cover it like you do so I can't even <laughs> imagine what it's like for you guys um, so hopefully those things work out and kind of give us something to be excited about here and a little bit of a dead time for the Eagles where there's really not much going on here. Although, you know, of course, we'll put this podcast up and maybe oh, yeah. Carson Wentz suddenly has a new contract or something else crazy. Because last Saturday that happened, I mean, you know, I, I go out on Saturday. I, I'm thinking like, oh, you know, I'll just have a nice day away from the, the, the computer screen, <laughs> get away from blogging for a little bit. And Sure enough, you know, there, that Nick Foles news comes out. Thankfully, my wonderful staff at BGN had it all covered. So big shout out to those guys and Alexis and the whole team there. So that was cool. But 
um, yeah, it's kind of just going to be a little bit of a slow period here. We have the combine coming up at the end of the month, and that's significant because not only do you have the draft prospects working out, but you have all these executives and you know just the whole league basically getting together in one place. And maybe they, you know, I am sure Howie Roseman will be there trying to find a way to potentially trade Nick Foles. So maybe we'll kind of hear some more on that front around that time. Um, so for now, we're kind of just in a little bit of a, a lull, but things will pick back up. You know, we're going to have free agency starting on March 13th, I believe. And legal tampering, of course, starts a couple days before that. So it's going to be a busy off season, as it always is. But uh, so enjoy your little bit of a slow time right now, because there is going to be a lot to talk about. And as always, we appreciate when you listen here on BGN Radio, you leave those reviews on iTunes five stars also leave a rating ratings reviews both do both good stuff to do mm-hmm. you can only leave five stars as we always say so <laughs> that's about it john yeah make sure to check out kisten solak as they are taking you through the draft prospects they have a great show up uh, this last week where they're looking at some of the guys the eagles could take with their first round pick and so that's some real valuable info right there and of course brandon and i will be back every week with a bgn radio and um yeah for as, as a phil as somebody who covers the phillies in depth and uh Host some podcasts. Uh, the JT Realmuto trade yesterday, BLG, was uh, certainly a boon to us. I'm looking at the um, the Sports and Recreations uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts, and darned if the good fight isn't at number 162 right now, BLG. So uh, the there good you go. the good fight podcast hitting season. My podcast up in the top 200 in Sports and Recreation. And thanks for putting us there, guys. Again, um, tell friends whether they're listening to Bleeding Green Nation or the Good Fight to. Uh, subscribe to both of these podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff as well. But follow me on Twitter at John Stolness and Brandon Lee Gelton. Follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Gelton. And we'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.